Hey everybody, it is August 17th, 2018, and you are listening to the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Eiseldyke, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, and car whatever. Uh, if you'd like to follow back past episodes of the show, you can always do that by diving deep here on Anchor FM at anchor.fm slash Y-S-S-M-A-N. Uh, and you can follow this podcast on a multitude of podcasting platforms, including the iTunes podcast, Google podcast, Spotify podcast, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we're out there and the previous episodes are posted there. So feel free to dig in at any time. This week's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about some pickup truck news, uh, specifically about the Ford Ranger and the new 2019 Silverado. Uh, In the culture segment, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of my struggles that I'm currently having uh, with my vehicle when it comes to replacing tires and talk a little bit more about some of my vehicle shopping I'm doing and the weird way that one of these vehicles is being treated in the used car market. And then in the last segment where we talk about a car that's on my mind, the whatever area, we're going to talk about the Mitsubishi IMEV. Uh, It was the, I don't want to say beloved uh, EV here in the U.S., but it was treated at least with open arms, and then it never really panned out, uh, at least not in the same way that it did in its home country of Japan. So uh, a little bit about the IMAV at the very end of the show. Um, if you have any thoughts, concerns, whatever, you can always message us here at Anchor FM. Uh, leave me a, a line. We can listen to it. We can put it into the show. That'd be great. Or you can reach out to me on Twitter at YSSMAN. So after the bump, first of the news stories. <laughs> Earlier this week, pricing was unofficially and then officially announced for the new 2019 Ford Ranger. Uh, as expected, it's a little bit cheaper than some of the competition. At about 25 grand with destination, uh, you're going to be able to get a basic uh, XT 4x2 uh, extended cab uh, for 25 grand. I mean, it, you know, it's coming with a decent amount of standard safety equipment. Um, it's got a lot of the work truckiness that you expect uh, to make it a decent day-to-day vehicle for a lot of people who, you know, have a lot of work to do. Um, the more common XLT trim with 4x4 uh, and the FX4 package, the off-road package, uh, you're looking at about 35 grand, and that seems also pretty fair when you consider what it's going up against. Uh, similarly equipped Colorados, uh, Tacomas, and Frontiers are going to kind of run the gamut around it. Colorado is give or take about the same price. I think you could go about a grand either way, um, depending on your off-road configurations and things like that. Uh, same thing with the Canyon. Uh, Frontier is going to be a little bit cheaper, and that's because it's a much older pickup truck. Um, it is a relative dinosaur compared to the majority of the competition. Uh, Tacoma, in some situations, is going to be a little more expensive, um, but with the much higher residual values that those Tacomas tend to have, I think you're going to be able to keep your money in that situation, which is a good thing. Um, Will this Ranger be incentivized all to hell? You know, that kind of remains to be seen. Um, After all, Chevy can't build enough Colorados and Canyons, well, at least GMC Canyons with themselves, uh, to keep up with demand. Uh, That's been a very interesting thing uh, at that scale. Uh, Tacomas, same kind of thing. They build a bazillion of them every year. They sell out every year. And in many cases, you find used Tacomas that are worth just as much as brand new ones. So Ford's definitely slotting themselves into a market that is very hot. It's getting a lot of attention. I think the way that this truck is able to be configured, both in a very streamlined, uh, civilized, basic 
pickup truck, you know, the dad that lives down the street just has a nice truck to do a couple of things on the weekend. Uh, they've got a version of that for you. They're going after the Honda Ridgeline with that one. They've got an off-road FX4 model to go after the Z71 uh, Chevys and GMCs. Um, where Ford doesn't have it right now is the more extreme off-road stuff like the TRD Pro and the Chevy ZR2. Um, it sounds like out in the ether they're getting a Ranger Raptor model and we don't officially know if we're going to get it here but Ford being Ford I don't think they're going to want to give up those sales for too long. What I think is going to be interesting is how well this truck also sells compared to the F-150. After all it's only a small step up to the F-150 in terms of size and price and performance and you know I think if you need that extra space you're going to spend that extra money but man this Ranger just ticks a lot of boxes for a lot of people and I have to say I think I'm definitely very interested in it going forward. One of the more interesting trucks out there right now beyond the Ranger is the 2019 Silverado. Uh, that truck should be hitting dealerships as we speak and the press is just starting to get their hands on a multitude of trims and powertrains and many other things uh, to give you an idea of what you're going to be looking at. By all accounts, this new Silverado is the most refined pickup truck on the market, and of course that advantage comes because it is the newest pickup truck on the market. Uh, it is soft and comfortable in the majority of ways that people want to have it done. Uh, it is very capable when it comes to towing and off-road ability. Uh, Chevy has stepped things up a bit with the Z71 Trail Boss option package. Maybe not quite to get to Raptor levels of performance off-road, but it's enough to separate itself a little bit from the mainline Z71 models that so many of those pickup trucks get uh, marked as uh, rolling out of the factory. Uh, what GM was really trying to show off at this most recent press event is the power and performance of the 5.3 liter V8 and the 6.2 liter V8, both of which have been around for a very, very long time uh, in their most recent configurations. I believe power levels don't change at all for the 5.3 liter. I think the 6.2 liter might get a little bit of a bump, uh, but where things are changing is the cylinder deactivation where... In theory, these V8s can be cut down to as few as two cylinders and uh, really save you a lot of money uh, on the highway when you don't need that many cylinders rotating inside the engine. Uh, the powertrain performance is what you, exactly what you expect. It's exactly what GM's had. Uh, these are great V8s that are extremely reliable, that offer a great amount of power, uh, that can tow a lot. And, you know, a lot can be said about Ford and their super advanced turbocharged engines that they've been using for quite some time. I think overall Ford is still kind of leading that ball game, uh, especially compared to GM and FCA. But uh, whether or not those engines work out the way they're supposed to, delivering the most amount of power and the most amount of fuel economy, uh, that generally hasn't been the case. Uh, GM has usually been kind of leading a little bit on the fuel economy front. Uh, so it all remains to be seen. What wasn't at this press event was the 2.7 liter turbocharged inline four, the engine that I'm most interested in for the new Silverado. Uh, that engine will be debuting later in the year and will become available at the end of the year for most buyers. Uh, that engine will be standard across a multitude of the pickup trucks, and uh, I still think this is going to be the most interesting thing about the Silverado. With a two, or excuse me, a 300 and plus horsepower 2.7 liter turbo, uh, it's one of the most powerful uh, four cylinders out there that's going to be made available into the market. Uh, it's going to be arguably one of the most fuel efficient pickup trucks and it should have pretty decent towing capabilities. Uh, GM's really committing to getting rid of that uh, 4.3 liter V6 so we'll see if this gets the job done.
So as I mentioned up at the top of the show, we're having some issues with my Fiesta right now where I need to replace the tires that came on the vehicle uh, with, with a new set. And I'm walking into the door of do I get normal, quote unquote, tires that fit the vehicle that are what the OEM spec was and continue to march on at a decent rate of a normal, quote unquote, Fiesta. Do I spend a little bit extra money and get some similarly sized uh, OEM wheels uh, that are currently on sale, that are a style that I've wanted for this vehicle for quite some time? Or do I step up to a slightly larger wheel that is more in line with where technology is today? Uh, after all, my car came out in uh, 2011. Uh, the design of the car dates back to the late mid-aughts uh, over in Europe. The Fiesta kind of straddles that line between when economy cars were truly economy cars and now where economy cars are seen as normal everyday vehicles that can be optioned up to high heaven with crazy big wheels, lots of technology, so on and so forth. My car is currently running 15-inch uh, wheels uh, with uh, 18560R15 tires. Uh, they are from Kumo. They are pieces of shit, to say the least. Uh, these tires are loud. They transmit a lot of uh, road noise and bumps into the vehicle that I do not appreciate. Um, even at a 15 where you should be having the most comfortable ride, uh, it has not been great, especially with the horrible condition that 196 is in uh, as you head out towards the lake. Uh, it's, it's past due, I guess to say, to get new tires. And as I'm shopping, I'm, you know, seeing that the majority of tires that I'm looking at are going to be anywhere between about, between about 80 and $100 per tire. That seems to be what ex you expect, I guess, for a lot of things. Uh, brand names are all over the board. There's a ton of trash tires from China and Korea that I'm generally doing my best to avoid. Uh, I'm really focusing in on, I think, what a lot of people recommend for the Fiesta, which seem to be Continentals. Uh, what I've had experience with in the past, which has been BF Goodrich tires and the high-end tire market uh, with Michelins where, you know, you're really taking a bit of a leap when it comes to performance and a multitude of weather conditions and comfort. Uh, the BF Goodriches, which I'm leaning towards right now, those are running about 88 bucks a tire. That seems to be a pretty good deal. I might know somebody who might be able to get me a little bit of a better deal on that. Uh, but nevertheless, that's where we're at. It's kind of what's going on. But Tire Rack currently has a few things on sale that kind of has my interest peaked. So where I'm complicating things a little bit more is when it comes to wheel shopping. Uh, ever since I bought my Fiesta, I've had this idea in the back of my brain that I want to give it a slight bit of modification to kind of bring it in line with where European Fiestas are at. Uh, Ford offers a European uh, suspension kit for the American Fiesta. It's like 300 bucks for new springs and struts, uh, which seems like a fairly decent add-on. It lowers the car a little bit, tightens up the handling, uh, does a good job. Wheels, on the other hand, have been something where, you know, as much as I want the European-style wheel on my car, I have always thought that a small rally-style wheel uh, with the right kind of fender uh, skirts and things like that should make the car look good and still be drivable every day and look like a tasteful modification. A big component of that has, of course, been the Sparco Terra wheels. Uh, the Terra style wheel has been around, I believe, since the late 90s or early 2000s. Uh, it's been a very popular wheel, uh, popularized by what Subaru did with some of their rally cars in the early aughts. 
Uh, these wheels are a little bit heavier, I believe, than what is on my current car, uh, but they look damn good. The bronze color is on sale right now on TireRack.com for about 115 bucks a pop. Uh, that is a decrease of about 40 bucks compared to where they were usually at north of 150. Uh, but yet again, it becomes a situation where the 15-inch size wheel, which is a little bit wider than what I currently run now, really narrows my options on tires to next to nothing. Uh, a 15 by 7 wheel requires anywhere between a 205 and a 215 series tire, and at 15-inch diameters, that really is focused on summer performance tires, and that's kind of a no-fly zone for me here in Michigan. Is it the best option to go for that route? Jury kind of is out on that situation. What I've also looked to looked into is optioning up to 16 and 17 inch sizes, uh, which were also made available on the Fiesta in a multitude of trims and styles. Uh, those wheels and tires uh, do offer me a little bit of a wider range of what I can shop for, both when it comes to touring, all season, and high performance options. <clears throat> but again, you're looking at 150 plus per wheel, plus the 100 more dollars per tire and all that stuff. And God, it's a big old freaking mess. So Basically, what's been laid out in front of me is I spend 500 or so odd dollars on brand new tires and keep soldiering on with the stock wheels and so on and so forth. I spend a little over $1,000 to start sending my car down the path at which I would like to take it. Or I spend as close to $1,500 or more on much larger wheels, much larger tires, and kind of quote-unquote future-proof it uh, going down the road and making it so that I can buy the appropriately sized tires and technology at a later date. Um, we'll see where things are at, um, but this is also kind of flying in the face of where I'm at shopping for a work-ready vehicle. So I've mentioned before that I'm looking for a vehicle to help me with work, and by help me with work, I mean I need to have a vehicle that is big enough to carry a decent number of boxes, uh, both containing beer and alcohol and merchandise and many other things, and, you know, my Fiesta can get some of that done, but not too much of it. And uh, my path has now led me to the Ford Ranger. And when I say Ford Ranger, not the new one, but the much older Ford Rangers. Uh, used prices on these Ford Rangers, holy shit, they are all over the board. I cannot believe how cheap in some cases they are and how incredibly expensive they are in others. Uh, a decent, a decent, like, recent, quote-unquote, so the early 20-teens Ford Ranger, uh, with a V6 and four-wheel drive, you're looking at somewhere between fifteen or somewhere between eleven and fifteen thousand dollars. That's fucking crazy. Like that's a lot of money for a truck that has a body design underneath it that dates back to the late 1980s. Uh, that's crazy. Mid 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 aughts, late 90s, early aughts. Uh, Ford Rangers with the appropriate uh, configurations, you're looking about anywhere between four to eight thousand dollars, which seems a little bit more fair. Uh, depending on where you go, depending on what kind of trim levels you get, uh, you can get some pretty good and very capable trucks for a decent amount of money. Uh, but these trucks apparently suffer from a lot of corrosion issues, um, sometimes very significant. I guess Ford didn't treat the, underbody, the underbodies of these vehicles very well. And so as such, a lot of pieces have completely rusted out or denigrated to the point where they're no longer safe to drive. As such, my search has kind of led me to mid-90s Ford Rangers, uh, apparently anywhere between 95 to 97, those are the best ones. Uh, but the most recent one I found was a 94 at a local Honda dealer. It's got the standard 2.3 liter inline four with a stick. It's rear wheel drive only, no AC, crank down windows, 
manual outside mirrors. Uh, I believe it's got a sliding rear window, but even then, I think it might not. Uh, the only luxurious appointment on this vehicle is the aftermarket wheels and the bed liner that they put in. Uh, the truck's only got 100,000 miles on it, and yet the dealer still wants almost $2,500 for it. Uh, that seems pretty rich, all things considered. Uh, I imagine they took this thing on trade for maybe 900 bucks, if even that. Um, wow. Wow, wee, wow, wee, wow. So... Consider me interested in this particular Ford Ranger. We'll see how long it sits at this dealership. Uh, I took a look underneath it the other day really quick as the dealership was closing. Lots of corrosion is there, but I don't know if it's necessarily corroded. Um, it's very rusty underneath, but these trucks are known for being pretty tough and holding up pretty well. Uh, the body itself is in good condition aside from a lot of scratches and dents, and but the interior is in mint shape, so who knows? We'll see. I'll keep you updated as I continue to shop. So we're going to wind the clock back a little bit to 2011 to talk about the Mitsubishi IMEV. Um, if you don't remember the IMEV, it's a K-car-based Mitsubishi EV. It was their first foray into the EV market all across the world. And the car was came into the United States with a lot of very high expectations. It had been selling really well in Japan and Europe. Uh, it had been getting a lot of positive attention for being a cheap, basic, bare-bones EV that ticked a lot of boxes for a lot of people, especially those who lived in cities. Um, Mitsubishi just wanted to sell a cheap car that was highly functional, that was cute, um, that really kind of stood out from some of the other competition that was coming down the pipe. Got to remember back in 2011, we're going to be seeing the first Chevrolet Volts starting to hit the street. We're going to see the first Nissan Leafs uh, on the streets at that point in time. And the Mitsubishi was much cheaper, yes. Uh, it was definitely cuter. I, I will openly admit that. Uh, but it lacked a lot of the functionality that other cars had. The Volt in particular, even though it had a much shorter range than the IMEV, it did have the gasoline range extender, so you could use it as a regular everyday car. The Nissan Leaf, despite having not as much range as what they had initially had hoped, it was nevertheless more than the IMEV, and the IMEV itself was rated about 62 miles altogether, and that is teeny tiny when you start to consider that you are going to have anywhere between 20 to 30 percent range loss when temperatures are very high, like they do get in the summertime in many parts of the United States, and very cold, like they do in many parts of the United States. So in the end, the Mitsubishi IMEV was basically made for people who live in four or five cities across the country, and it's sold as such. Uh, these things are not very common, but they're around. Uh, on the used car market, a vehicle that would have been not many years ago $30,000 is now worth five to seven depending on where you're at on the mileage spectrum. I found a fairly recent, lightly used 2012 Mitsubishi IMEF for sale across the state in Bay City for about seven grand. And even then, it sounds like they are wanting to get rid of this vehicle as a used car as soon as possible. Uh, all things considered, you know, if you live in a bigger city like Detroit, Grand Rapids, Ann Arbor, you don't travel much more than 30 miles a day, I think an IMEV might meet some of your needs. And at $7,000, I don't think you're going to find many cars with as few parts to maintain that's going to be that reliable. But for not much more money, you can get a Leaf. For not much more money than that, you can get a Volt and use it as a regular car all the time. So it kind of depends on where you want to go. I don't know. The Mitsubishi IMEV is one of those things that I love to kind of think of as buying as a toy just to kind of tinker around with, to drive around once in a while, but not having a place to charge it doesn't make it a practical thing for me anytime soon.
All right, guys, that just about wraps up this episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at YSSMAN, and you can follow back on other episodes of this podcast at anchor.fm slash YSSMAN. I do make these available for free on a multitude of podcasting platforms, including iTunes Podcasts, Google Play, and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. So if you're interested, feel free to like, share, subscribe, do all that cool stuff that the teens do, and uh, you can hit the bell icon to be notified when new episodes come out. I think I've got that down now. I've watched enough YouTube episodes to know how to do it. Uh, we do another version of this podcast called the Salvage Title Car Buyer's Guide, where I break down a segment of vehicles, pick out what I think are the top three options in that segment, and add a fourth option for flavor. As I always say in many episodes, I need to do a new one again soon. So if you have a segment in mind that you'd like to hear about, feel free to drop me a line here on Anchor FM, and we'll chitty chat about some options there. What else is going on? Well, you know, it's uh, fall time, and that means that car shows are coming. I believe this weekend here in Michigan, it is the Woodward Street Dream Cruise. Uh, it's a huge car event, so if you live anywhere here in the Midwest and you want to come check out something that is super freaking cool, uh, that's going on on Saturday in Detroit. That would also mean that the week after is the big Grand Rapids Metro Cruise here in Grand Rapids, where they shut down... Well, maybe not shut down, but uh, 28th Street from Cascade all the way out to Wyoming. Uh, they do a big car show that drives up and down the street, and you get to see a lot of cool vehicles at many different points along that street. So, uh, yeah, that also means that Pebble Beach is coming up soon, and uh, that's going to be very fun and exciting as well. But that also means that back to school is coming. So, hey, guys, uh, this is a good reminder for you to go out, check your tires, as I reminded you recently. Uh, it's going to be a good sign to keep an eye out for those yellow school buses. Make sure you stop for those stop signs on the street and wait for those kids to cross because, well, those kids are important too, I suppose. So, Without further ado, guys, I hope you have a great rest of your week. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you again soon on another episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. Goodbye.